Let's talk about women in prostitution for a minute, even though a lot of people in prostitution are not necessarily women. Coming up, it's philosophy talk. It's very important to defend the right to sell sex on the street. What's the difference between selling your sexual labor versus selling your intellectual labor? When there's a crackdown on streetwalkers, it's a crackdown on a woman's right to walk down the street wearing whatever she wants. What's wrong with making a living from your own physical talents? A lot of us really like men, and one reason we like the sex industry is that we get to be around men all day. Prostitution and the sex trade. It's much more of a two-way street than you recognize. Our guest is best-selling author and former sex worker, Tracy Kwan. Recorded live in Las Vegas. Coming up on Philosophy Talk. This is Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm Ken Taylor. And I'm John Perry. We're coming to you from Las Vegas. Now, what are we doing here in Sin City? We're at a very important conference, the annual Public Radio Program Directors Conference. Many thanks to our friends at KNPR, Nevada Public Radio, and our friends at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, for making this appearance possible. Our thinking originates at Stanford University on that part of the Stanford campus called Philosopher's Corner. That's where Ken and I are professors of philosophy. Welcome everyone to Philosophy Talk. <laughs> Our topic today is the sex trade. The sex trade, Ken, includes pornography, erotic dance, phone sex, and things that my innocent ears have never even heard of. But our focus today is prostitution in its many and varied forms. Many forms? John, come on. Prostitution mainly involves men paying women for sex. Some variety of that. Well, just for starters, there are male prostitutes and transsexual prostitutes too, Ken. Yeah, but they're all in the business mostly of servicing the sexual desires of men, both the pathetic and the perverse. Well, not all customers of prostitutes are pathetic or perverse. Come on, normal guys with normal sexual desires frequent prostitutes too. Prostitution is a complicated thing. It's a multifaceted thing. And if, if you lump it all together under some stereotype, we're hardly going to be able to do justice to the many moral, legal, and other ramifications of the sex trade. Well, the legal status of the sex trade is pretty settled, John, at least in the U.S., uh, thanks in part to the women's movement. It's been against the law since the early 20th century, except for a few counties here in uh, Nevada. But it's legal in a lot of countries, some of which might surprise you. Our self-righteous neighbors of the North and Canada, it's legal there. Our Catholic neighbors of the South, Central and South America, it's legal there. Religious places like India and Turkey, it's legal there. And some, which might not surprise you so much, Australia and most of Western Europe. Well, I grant you legality is an important uh, difference between the way prostitution is practiced around the world, but is, is that all you have in mind? Do you have anything else in mind? Yes, I do. I mean, prostitutes work under lots of different social and economic conditions. Some walk the streets plying their trades in cars and back alleys. 
Others work in brothels, some in fancy hotels, maybe some even in this fancy hotel. Some prostitutes live trick to trick, hour to hour. Others have secretaries, appointment books, and well-heeled regulars. Yeah, but here's the question, John. Does any of that make a moral difference? I got to admit, buying and selling sex in any form, it, it just feels, it feels wrong to me. It's so coercive and exploitative. Well, you definitely got a point. Prostitutes are often coerced into the trade. Some girls end up as prostitutes before they're even old enough to really understand what it is they're doing and what's happening to them. Others are sold into prostitution by their very own families. Many are lured into it, especially these days as part of illegal immigration schemes. And think of all, you haven't even mentioned the low-life pimps. I mean, they rake in all the profits while the poor sex workers do the dirty and often very dangerous work. It's a disgusting business. Okay, but it sounds like it's mainly the conditions that many prostitutes work under that bothers you. But let's be philosophical. Let's consider a hypothetical. Suppose prostitutes were guaranteed a fair wage, decent working conditions, and a real measure of autonomy. Would you still find it objectionable? You know, I, I think I would, John. It's not just the working conditions. I think it's inherently degrading to sell your body, inherently degrading. With all due respect, I'm worried you're just being a prude. I mean, why should what prostitutes do be called selling their body? They're just performing certain actions for which they negotiate a fee. Why should those actions, because they involve sex, be inherently degrading? As long as someone isn't abused or manipulated, why is selling their sexual labor more degrading than selling their manual or intellectual labor? Because prostitution debases and dehumanizes women, John. It turns them into objects. And you know what? Saying that does not make me a prude. It, it makes me a feminist. Look, I do not advocate the oppression of women, but we treat other as objects in many situations. Suppose I stop and ask you for directions. I'm treating you as an object. I'm interested in you for one and only one reason. You may as well be a GPS as far as I'm concerned. But sex is different, John. Sex should be a two-way street. Prostitution makes it a one-way street. It turns what should be intimate and mutual into something cold and mechanical. Well, I think you're over-romanticizing sex, assuming a, a lot more of it measures up to a certain ideal than it does. Face it, guys get sex all the time by convincing women that they care, when they don't. <laughs> and, I've been told this, there are plenty of women who will sleep with a guy just because he's rich or famous. Do you really think these people care about each other? At least in the sex trade, things are upfront and honest. Oh, John, but sex is, I mean, you know, normal, everyday sex, I mean. Everyday? Yeah, everyday <laughs> sex. It may be a moral mess, but it's much less problematic than prostitution, much less. Well, I think you kind of are underestimating what prostitution at least could be. When a guy pays a woman for sex, it does not automatically necessarily mean that he has no interest in her as a person. 
In fact, I think a lot of guys would pay quite a premium to have sex with people they were interested in as persons, with smart, interesting, well-educated women. Oh, God, now your imagination's running around. You're imagining, like, what, an Ivy League escort service or something? Get real, John. Women with options don't become sex workers. Plus, you know, your little fantasy there, it's all about the guy's pleasure. Your make-believe premium price Ivy League whore is still a sexual commodity to be bought and sold. Nice word, Mr. Sensitive Feminist. Sex work does not have to reduce women to so-called whores. Not if it's a fair commercial transaction. Such transactions, it seems to me, could preserve the dignity of both the prostitute and the customer. I just don't see how there could ever be such a thing in reality. But you know what? I admit there's lots to think about here. And to give us even more food for thought, we sent our roving philosophical reporter, Caitlin Esch, to take a look at sex work around the world. She files this report. The act of trading sex for money varies depending on where you go. So we looked to three different cities, starting in Japan, where women can work as hostesses. A few years ago, USC sociologist Rissel Paranas went undercover as a migrant Filipina hostess in Tokyo. Now, hostesses are kind of like professional flirts. Paranas says the flirting didn't come naturally for her. Like you would say, oh, you're so good looking. Oh, I'm so excited to be sitting next to you. Oh, you arouse me. Like, it was hard to get used to this because you're acting. And I'm not a very good actress, I must admit. The Filipina club was known for its lively, funny women. Other houses, like the Russian club, were known for very sexy women. But the job is basically the same. You have to, you know, show a sense of servility. So you have to, like, bow down at him. You have to, like, wipe his hands. Um, so you're really kind of just, like, flirting while you're serving him. Perenas says customers were not allowed to grope the hostesses, but they were sometimes verbally abusive, insulting the women and cussing them out. Being a professor and then having that identity completely wiped out and then doing this work where men had these assumptions about you that didn't even, you know, recognize at all that you could be this educated person. Perenas says the women never directly exchanged sex for money and the work was often better than what they could get elsewhere. Most Filipinas living abroad are domestic workers, so Paranus would ask them, why not do housework? This was probably the funniest response, and the response many of them gave me, they would say, look at me. Do I look like a domestic worker? I'm so pretty. I don't look like a domestic worker. And then they would say, I'd probably get raped if I was a domestic worker. Closer to home, if you drive down International Boulevard in East Oakland at dusk, you'll see them. Dozens of girls in skimpy clothes, standing alone or in pairs, waiting for customers. Nola Brantley has helped hundreds of such girls through her nonprofit organization called Missy. But it's the failures that Brantley cannot get out of her head. There was one girl who for years was sold for sex by her mother and her mother's boyfriends. Our first referral on her, she probably was 14, maybe even younger than that, maybe even 13. Throughout her teens, the girl was constantly getting arrested for prostitution. She was in and out of Missy for years. But by the time the girl was 17, she was showing real signs of improvement. And before we can get to that place where she can really have, you know, that change and really kind of ever experience life, like what life is like to live life, this young lady slipped away because she was murdered. She was murdered and she's an example of one of those girls that we couldn't keep safe. Brantley doesn't really like to talk about it, but she was also sexually exploited as a teenager by a police officer in San Francisco. So she can relate to these girls, and most of them have a lot in common. On average, Brantley says most start sex work around 12. They're usually black or Latina. They've often been abused. I mean, what do you think this would look like if this were Caucasian females that came from middle-class backgrounds? 
I mean, it just wouldn't look like this because it wouldn't be happening. We would have the National Guard out here. Seriously. Matthias Fernaldi is 53 and lives in Berlin, where sex work is legal. The first time he went to a prostitute, she was wearing a silver mask and high heels. He says he found it cold, mechanical, and exploitative. He thought, this is not for me. But my hormones were stronger than my principles, so I tried it again. And with the woman who came to me then, it worked straight from the first time. The chemistry was right. We saw each other every few months and for years thereafter. Vernaldi was approaching midlife. A long-term relationship had recently ended, and he had just moved to a new city. And by that time, he was also paralyzed, except in certain parts. My muscular atrophy had progressed to such a state that I could no longer satisfy myself. So my friends and my assistants encouraged me to try it with prostitution. Vernaldi founded an organization called Sexabilities that connects severely disabled people with sex workers who are willing to satisfy their particular needs. And members swap advice, like which brothels have wheelchair access. Vernaldi says for him, it's not just about sex. It's about companionship, intimacy, even romance. It's about libido and the possibility for someone to regard their body as beautiful and to see it in a sensual exchange with other bodies. Vernaldi sees sex as a fundamental human right, something that's not always easy for severely disabled people to access. And the immoral aspect of prostitution is not prostitution itself, but often the conditions under which it occurs. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Caitlin Ash. You can listen to the rest of this episode by purchasing it on iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, subscribe to our archive at philosophytalk.org.